thank you that we've just had the privilege of um, just praising your name, just worshipping you, for you are an awesome, awesome God um, that we just want to declare um, just to one another and to people we meet that we love you uh, and we worship you. So Father, thank you for that time and it just felt like from our hearts we were really singing that one and, and that's just awesome to hear and we just pray it was pleasing to you. And now your precious word is being opened and we just pray for Bijo that yeah, you'll just give him the words to speak, to challenge us, to speak to us once again um, from that precious word. Exalt your son in this word, we do pray, and be with Bijo um, as he opens up. So thank you once again for this time, this opportunity to just open this precious book of yours in the Saviour's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Good morning. Once again. I would like to thank the leadership team in this church for giving me this opportunity to stand before you with the word of God. And also I would like to thank my God for giving me this opportunity to stand with the word of God once again. In continuation with our study, we are going through Luke. And from the songs we hear that there is none like Jesus. And that's what we are going to look at today from Luke chapter 20. So let's turn to Luke chapter 20. I won't read the whole chapter because it'll take the whole time. So I'll read, skip reading from verse 1 to 19. Luke chapter 20, verse 1 onwards. On one of the days, while he was teaching the people in the temple and preaching the gospel, the chief priest and the scribes and the elders confronted Jesus. And they spoke, saying to him, Tell us by what authority you are doing these things. And who is the one who gave you this authority? Jesus answered and said to them, I will also ask you a question, and you tell me, was the baptism of John from heaven or from men? Now move on to verse 9 onwards. And he began to tell the people the parable, A man planted a vineyard and rented it out to wine growers and went on a journey for a long time. At the harvest time, he sent a slave to the wine growers so that they would give him some of the produce of the vineyard. But the wine growers beat him and sent him away empty-handed. And he proceeded to send another slave, and they beat him also and treated him shamefully and sent him away empty-handed. And he proceeded to send a third one, and this one also they wounded and cast out. The owner of the vineyard said, What shall I do? I will send my beloved son, perhaps they will respect him. But when the wine goers saw him, they reasoned with one another, saying, This is the heir, let us kill him, so that the inheritance will be ours. So they threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. What then will the owner of the vineyard do to them? He will come and destroy these wine growers and will give the wine vineyard to others. When they heard it, they said, May it never be. But Jesus looked at them and said, What then is this that is written? The stone which the builders rejected 
this became the chief cornerstone everyone who falls in the on that stone will be broken to pieces but on whomever it falls it will scatter him like dust last verse was 19 the scribes and the chief priest tried to lay hands on him that very hour and they feared the people for they understood that he spoke this parable against them that's what i would like to cover for for us today from this chapter of luke luke 20 and i would like to give a subject to our message today the subject is decision decides destiny our decision decides the destiny this parable and the and the context is well known for us and we know why they asked the authority of jesus because day before we see that in the last chapter jesus came and whipped the people out from the temple and said that this is not for business and they didn't like it and here in chapter 20 we see that the scribes and elders and and the priest chief priest come and ask jesus what is the authority who gave you this authority to do this and we notice that the reply to that question was a question or the answer to that question was a question jesus asked them okay i will answer you but you answer first what does this means where the baptism of john come from we see here that jesus did not avoid their question but he used the question to explain who he is and to expose the hypocrisy of the leaders because if they agree that john was from god then he was right in proclaiming jesus as the messiah and if this was true then jesus had all authority and that is what jesus wanted to do with them that is the question that that is why he he put the question back to them saying you people think about it why this john came and we know that they answer their answer which is well known no we don't know we don't know where the authority come from or where where does john come from or where the baptism is of john is so i would like to tell that this response of these people showed that they were not the sincere seekers of truth they cared more about winning the argument against jesus than in knowing the truth and we see at the end of that verse in verse 8 jesus said to them that i am not going to answer you because you didn't answer me what i asked because you said we don't know let me tell you this if we want answer from jesus if we really want an answer from jesus we must deal rightly with the truth that has already been revealed these men knew that john was john said jesus was the messiah because they are they know about it they know the scripture very well but they were not willing to accept it that was their problem 
So why I tell this story is, I want to pick something from this passage. I'm not going to talk about John or um, Jesus and their question. What I want to pick it from there is, the question they asked is this, what is the authority of Jesus? In today, the New, New Testament church, we need to think about this, that does Jesus got any authority? Like those people in the past, the Israel leaders of Israel asked this question to Jesus, do you have any authority to do this? And dear people, do you know that does Jesus got any authority? Why we are coming here? We praise Jesus. We, we worship Jesus. But really, does Jesus got any, any authority? And this is what the cook, um, some of the authorities which I got from the Bible. He got the authority to forgive sins. Jesus got authority over all flesh to give eternal life. Jesus got authority of life and judgment. And his teaching was with authority. Jesus got authority over demons. Jesus got authority to cast into hell. He got the authority to lay his life and take it back in. Finally, we see that he got the authority in heaven and earth. And that is all. He got all authority in heaven and in earth. I won't go through all of them. I will go just two of his authority just to explain what is that authority means to us. What does it mean that all this authority written here, what does it mean to us? In Matthew 9, verse 6 says this, I want to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to give, forgive sins. And he said to the paralyzed man, Get up, take your mat and go home. Then the man got up and went home. When the crowd saw this, they were filled with, filled with awe and they praised God who had given such authority to men. Here we see that authority of forgiveness, Jesus is demonstrating that, that to the people, or he is telling to the people that I got the authority to forgive sins. And I don't need to explain all these things about the past. We know about the creation. We know Adam and Eve. We know how they fall down. And we know how sin, sin entered to the world. Now this disease of sin is with everyone. Romans 3.23 says that everyone have fallen short of the glory of God. Everyone is labeled as sinners in this world. No exception. And here there is a man who comes and says that I got the authority to forgive sins. And this is what he says about how he can forgive sins. How he achieved it or he is going to achieve it. In Matthew chapter 26 verse 28 says this, This is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. So he's going to establish or he's getting this forgiveness by doing something. His, this, this was his mission. This was Jesus telling that this is my mission to come into this world and I, I am here to forgive the sins. And how do I do that? I am going to be poured out for you. Luke chapter 24, it says this, verse 46. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations. The authority of forgiveness 
is with Jesus. He poured out himself for us and we see that this repentance will be preached in all nations. Finally, I want to conclude this, this authority of forgiveness with one word. I want you to remember this one word. This is what we read in Acts chapter 2, verse 37 onwards. When the people heard this, this is where Peter is preaching. They were cut to the heart and said to, the, said to Peter and other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. I want you to remember this one simple word called repent. We see the authority, the, question, the authority of Jesus was questioned and this is the authority of Jesus to forgive sins of all the people. And he achieved it by pouring himself down on the cross of Calvary. What shall we, what, what would we need to do for that? Or how can we get our sins forgiven? This is the question here. And this is what Peter says in one word, repent. Repent from your sins. Why do we need to repent? And this is what explained here. Repent and baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. Later in Acts 13, it says in verse 38, Therefore, my friends, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, everyone who believes is set free from every sin. And this is the authority Jesus God. He can forgive every sin of ours. Only thing is, we need to re repent. We must repent. And he is able to forgive all the sins of ours. We know 1 John says if we confess our sins, he is, able to, he is faithful to forgive our sins. This is, the, this is one of the main authority as a New Testament church. We must be knowing that Jesus got the authority to forgive sins. The second thing I would like to know, I would like to discuss is the authority of eternal life. So he got the authority of Forgiveness, authority to forgive sins. Now, he got the authority to give eternal life to all the flesh. This is what we read in John chapter 17 when Jesus was praying to his father before he departed from this world, or before his crucifixion. He almost accomplished his mission in this world. This is what he is praying. Verse 2 of chapter 17 of John, Gospel of John. For you granted him authority over all people that he might give eternal life to all those you have given him. Now this is eternal life that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. This is the second authority of Jesus is giving eternal life. So we see these old people who ask the authority of Jesus. But today, what is the authority of Jesus mean to us? He can forgive sins. Now he is giving eternal life. And we see that what is eternal life? Eternal life is to know the true God and to know Jesus. That is eternal life. 
Later, John chapter 10, verse 27 and 28, it says that who can give this eternal life to us? Verse 28 says, Jesus says this, I give them eternal life. Verse 27 onwards, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. So we see that Jesus can give eternal life. And Jesus himself is the eternal life. And he says that I give them eternal life. We also see in Romans chapter 6 that this eternal life is a gift of God. It's not something which is available everywhere. It is just a gift from God. It is not we can purchase from a shop. It is a gift from God. Romans chapter 6 verse 21 onwards it says this. What benefit did you reap at that time from the things you are now ashamed of? Those things result in death. But now that you have been set free from sin, have become slaves of God, and benefit what the benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I want to connect two things from the previous one. We see that everyone who got this forgiveness of sin is set free from sin when they repent. And here it says that, that if you are free from sin and have become slaves of God, the benefit is or the result is eternal life. And here it it confirms that it is a gift from God. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. So we receive eternal life from God. So finally, how can we receive this eternal life? So we know that Jesus is eternal life. He got authority to give eternal life. It is a gift of God from God, uh, gift of God. How can we get it? John 3 verse 15. Gospel of John chapter 3 verse 15. It says that everyone who believes will have eternal life. We know this well-known verse of John chapter 3 verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So the second authority of Jesus for us Today, who we live in this New, New Testament era is he got authority to give eternal life. So we see here that everyone who believes will have eternal life. I want to notice this second word, the symbol word called believe. The first we see we need to repent and second we see we need to believe. I believe all this other authority because of the time, we'll move on to the parable of tenants. We see this parable and we know that this parable is a well-known parable. As we look at this parable and the subsequent statements of our Lord that follows it, we are going to be introduced to the coming death of Christ and its implications. This then is a very important parable because it looks forward to this event about to happen. It is also exceedingly important because it looks backward through all of Israel's history. I would like to read one of the Old Testament words which will connect this parable to. 
that is in Isaiah chapter 5. Isaiah chapter 5, verse 1 onwards. Let me sing now for my well-beloved a song of my well-beloved concerning his vineyard. My well-beloved had a vineyard on a fertile hill. So this is, the, he's talking about this vineyard. And I want to notice these things that he did not plant the vineyard in a, in a land where there is no fertile land or no, no place to grow. He put it in a perfect place. He dug it all around, removes its stone and planted it with the choicest wine. He put the right seed. He did not put any seed you can buy it from. He put the choicest seed in that vineyard. And he built a tower in the middle of it and also hewed out a wine vat in it. Then he expected it to produce good grapes, but it produced only worthless ones. But it produced only worthless ones. Moving forward, I would like to read verse 7 also. It says, For the vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel and the men of Judah his delightful plant. So this is more self-explanatory now. This parable, that's why I put it all, all together. We see here this parable of this vineyard. And we see an owner. And the owner is God. The vineyard is Israel. We saw that in Isaiah chapter, chapter 5 verse 7. The wine growers. Now the wine growers are the religious leaders, primarily the priest and all other religious leaders who take responsibility to shepherd Israel. The long journey in which he is away is the Old Testament history. All the way from the beginning of Israel in the life of Abraham to the coming of Jesus. The long time when the people of God were under the care of certain men. And that was that were the leaders of Israel. That is what this story is telling about. That is why it is so important. And remember this, Jesus is telling this story before two days of his crucifixion. So this is not even, he is not dead. He is not crucified. He is telling to these people and reminding them, those who ask this question of authority, that he is telling this whole story to them. And let me remind you this, that this, this story explains everything what the mission of Jesus is. And we see that after the tenants, the harvest time come. The slaves in the story that are sent are the Old Testament prophets who were sent by God from time to time through Israel's history to receive the fruit that was due to God. We see in Isaiah that he put this choicest seed in his vineyard expecting a good fruit. But we see that the result or the fruit which this wine produced was worthless fruit. And this is what we see. He sent prophets to get that fruit which was due to God. And you remember the stories of Old Testament tell us how they rejected the prophets. 
how they hated the prophets how they stoned the prophets killed them so much that jerusalem is known as that city that kills the prophets we see that many times the the slaves or the servants come to get the fruit and we read in this in this parable in luke we see that three times they killed them stoned them rejected them throw them out from the vineyard and this is what we read finally if you look at matthew chapter 21 the same parable is there where it says that more than three times the the owner sent people the servants to get the rent or the fruit i want to show you one one of the importance of this owner here look at this owner after sending so many servants he is still patient with his people he could have come and kill them in the first instance isn't it if we were there like we were, we rented out a house here and we are not getting the rent out rent from the tenants what we will do i don't want you to explain that but look at this this land owner this owner is so patient he is patient sending the servants again he know that they got beaten up he got that they got thrown out from the vineyard he he know that they were killed still he is patient and look at him he is thinking that what should i do now what shall i do and he sent his son thinking that yeah they will probably give the thing which is due to god or to the owner to the son he may recognize him and for sure they recognized him isn't it we see in the story that they recognized him perfectly that this is the son but recognized in a wrong way and some of the commentator says that they thought when the son comes they thought the father is dead so if we kill this son everything will be ours that is what they thought and before two days jesus told these leaders that they killed the son before it before they killed them they could have taken it as a good way now the story did not end there and that is where i want to take the story from the story did not end by killing of the son i want you point one important thing which i saw in this parable which is explained in luke and mark uh, sorry luke and matthew we see this parable as explained here after this they said okay the land owner sent his son and they kill him verse 15 it says that so they threw him out of the vineyard and killed him what then will the owner of the vineyard do to them and 16 it says he will come and destroy the vine growers and will give the vineyard to others we didn't say who is saying this probably jesus but if you look at matthew chapter 21 and verse 40 this is so fascinating like he, he these people are hearing this story and this will interest you the people who are hearing the story from jesus now jesus posed their question there the parable or the story there 
This is what he posed. Verse 39. Matthew chapter 21 verse 39. They took him, threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those wine growers? Post. Jesus posed that story there. Maybe he posed with a question. And this is what is written. Verse 41. They said to him, the people who heard the story, they replied, He will bring those wretches to a wretched end and he will rent out the vineyard to other wine growers who will pay him the proceeds at the proper season. They replied. And I would assume that they would have replied without knowing. But suddenly they come to know that, oh, no, 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 no. That is what we see in this chapter of Luke. If you look it back to verse 16, that they were listening to the story. It is so interesting. I like it. Yes, what should I do? Ah, yeah, you sh the, the landowner will come and kill those tenants and will give, leave, give out this vineyard to others to look after. Then suddenly it says that when they, in Matthew it says that when they heard it, and that in English meaning, that literal meaning it says that when they understood it, when they understand that, oh, we replied it wrongly, we replied that, yes, he will come and destroy and leave, it, leave this land to others. This is what they said. Verse 16 of Luke chapter 20. He will come and destroy these wine growers and will give the vineyard to others. When they heard it, they said, may it never be. No, 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 no. What, what we said is wrong. It, it will not happen. It will never happen. And we will come to know that later in this parable, it says why they said that. I won't go to that now, but I want to tell you what happened next. So, after killing the son, it didn't end. The story did not end there. He told three things there. One is the replacement which is going to happen. Or, or a change in the tenants which is going to happen. We read in... Matthew chapter 21 verse 43, by the end of that parable, Jesus says this, The kingdom of God shall be taken from you and given to a people bringing forth the fruit of it. That is the change which Jesus was saying to them. You guys were looking after this vineyard for a long time, giving no fruit to the owner, and I am going to change that. You will kill the son, you will you think that you can take the inheritance by killing the son, but I am going to tell you that this is not the end of the world. There is a change going to happen. And this is the change he started first of all. He said that in Mark chapter 3 verse 13, Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted. And they came to him. He appointed twelve that he might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. Jesus, when he was in this world, he already started picking up these new tenants. 
I hope you are following me. This, here is this tenant who is currently looking after the vineyard. And Jesus told them that you are going to kill the son. You are not producing the fruit. You are not giving the fruit. He will come and destroy. That's true. He will come and destroy, which is true. And he is going to give this vineyard to others, which is also true. Jesus started his new tenants by picking up 12 of them. He gave, him, he gave them authority. He started teaching them. They were with him for three and a half years, seeing all what the master did. And they were getting stronger and stronger and stronger every day. Not only 12. We see in Luke chapter 10, he chose another 70 and sent them two by two. Going further, John chapter 15, it says that Jesus is saying that I choose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. Finally, I want to tell you this. In Mark 16, it says that he said to them, Mark 16 verse 15, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Jesus chose a new tenant to look after his vineyard. And that is none other than the followers of Jesus Christ. Those are what we read so far. Jesus chose the twelve. Jesus chose the seventy. And they preached. And this group of leadership is going further. And we see that we saw someone last week appointed here in our church. One of them. Isn't it? You might be knowing that any has been appointed as an elder here to look after the people. You know, this, this, this is going further. I, I don't want to expand it in a, in a big, broader way, but I want to tell you that Jesus started his mission to give this vineyard to others from when he was here in this world. He appointed 12, then he appointed 70, then these people started preaching gospel and, and appointing. I want to point this uh, in a right direction by looking into Acts chapter 14. In Acts chapter 14, we see that Paul and Barnabas, they are going and creating churches, making churches everywhere. And this is what they did. Acts chapter 14, verse 23. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for each, for in each church with prayer and fasting, committed them to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. This vineyard got a new tenant now. Second thing, killing the son did not end the story. Why? Look at verse 17. We see that Jesus looked at them and said, What then is that is written, the stone which the builders rejected, this became the chief cornerstone. Killing the son did not, did not end the story or killing the son did not end the mission. And this is Jesus pointing them to the book which they have and telling them, look at this. And they know this all, all these Old Testament books, isn't it? He's telling that, look at Psalms 118. What does it say? This is a quote from Psalms 118, verse 22. The stone which is rejected 
became the chief cornerstone and this is nothing but jesus was pointing to them that this son you will kill in two days time he will be rose again from the dead in three days time you are not going to win dear people that is what he is going to tell them he is telling them do you think that you got the inheritance you think that the father is dead but man this is going to be a disaster for you he is going to resurrect he is going to be risen from the dead this son whom you will kill in two days time will be rose again and he will be back on track and that is what written in your book and that is what he pointed point them back to the old testament it says that this is written jesus looked at them and told them this is what is written that he will rose again and we see this in romans chapter 10 and this is my final little word i want you to remember so i told you to remember two words before that is repent and believe what does it benefit for us as a new testament church this this resurrection this is what it is written romans chapter 10 verse 9 if you declare with your mouth jesus is lord and believe in your heart that god raised him from the dead you will be saved the salvation has been given to us through the resurrection of jesus christ i want to i want to point out the simple word to you it says this for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved repent believe and i would like to call this a simple word called accept him as your personal savior and that is what jesus is telling them this son will be rose again third day let me tell you a story before i close my time is over this story is a well known story of titanic the unsinkable i'm not going to tell the whole story of titanic but i want to point one thing about them on the night of sunday 14th april 1912 the temperature had dropped to near freezing and the ocean was calm the moon was not visible and the sky was clear this is the day which is showing this is the this is what i'm point, trying to point the captain of the ship captain smith received a lot of wireless messages pointing telling him that there is an iceberg there is iceberg in the in your in your way you must stop you must change your path you have to change it and we see that he is ignoring it not one time two time three time many times and we read in the story that his wireless operators just ignored this iceberg messages and they try to argue with the other radio operators of the other ship saying that what are you saying shut up ours this is what the captain said our ship is made unsinkable and he tried to move it further in a good speed so that he can make the record and we know the story what happened that his decision ended up in a great disaster i want you to ask one thing 
just before i i go to that i will write to re- i will like to read this thing because of the time concern i didn't i, I didn't talk about verse 18 which is everyone who falls on that stone will be broken into pieces but on whomever it falls it will scatter him like dust this is talking about the judgment i would like to tell you that you know be careful with this jesus verse 19 it says that the scribes and the chief priests tried to lay hands on him that very hour and they feared the people for they understood that he spoke this parable against them this is what i told before that i will tell you something after telling all these things to them after telling that you were the the leaders of israel who did not give me any fruit out of you and you will kill jesus they got time to repent they could have made a decision saying that okay he talk about us so we must think about our plan we must drop the killing of the son we must come out and we must repent we must believe in him but the disaster they brought we we read in verse 19 that they when they understand it it is big, it is for them he told they planned more to how to kill this man that is why i call this title decision decides destiny that is why i co- I, i get this illustration of titanic let me conclude we saw in matthew 28 verse 18 that jesus had been give, given all authority this is after the resurrection he comes before he go back to heaven he come and show himself to his disciples and he told this all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me therefore go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father name of the son and the name of the holy spirit teaching them to obey everything i have commanded you and surely i am with you always let me ask you this jesus got authority of authority to forgive sins jesus got authority to give eternal life and he is the chief cornerstone rose again from the dead and he is having all authority today but what is your decision today rejecting jesus christ is the most tragic thing anyone can ever do the message right to the heart of the most important choice you will make ever make in your life let me ask you what will you do with this jesus christ how did the leaders respond we see in verse 19 the chief the scribes chief priests tried to lay hands on him that very hour they feared the people for they understood that he spoke against them their response they knew he was talking about them he was condemning them instead of giving instead of being convicted instead of having that mind of repentance they tried to plot kill plot to kill him how about you where do you stand what is your decision today may god bless you shall we pray father we thank you for this wonderful opportunity you have given to us to share from your word we thank you for enable us to go through 
your authority and your plan and purpose for you to come down lord we thank you that you are our savior we thank you that you come down to give us eternal life we thank you that you forgive our sins on that cross you died for us and you forgived our sins by that blood and the body which was broken for us we commit this congregation to you lord we pray for each one of us and father we look to you for any one of us who is sitting here just not have made their decision we pray that your spirit may enlighten them encourage them to make the decision today to follow you to be saved before the disaster comes we see that they will be crushed they will be broken to pieces when you come back we know that you are coming back soon lord we pray that you may enable us to lead our life in a way which bear fruit to you help us to make those decision today lord we ask all in the mighty and matchless name of our savior lord jesus christ amen, amen.